Welcome to Simply Us. Hey, welcome to the Simply Us podcast. I'm Erin. And I'm Sue. And thank you for joining us for episode 14. Today, we're going to talk about another stronghold, the stronghold of judgments. And I'm going to tell you, this one hit close to home. I felt so convicted, but in the good, kind of lacking shame way. And we hope that this episode is the same for you. We hope that today you will become aware of when and even why you are beginning to use judgment. But also we hope that you will learn how to get out of it. So mom, would you start us off with a little definition? Yes, I sure will. So you guys, as I prepared for this topic of judgments, I began to realize the weight of what this one word holds. Erin and I recognize that our society judges and filters based on a good behavior versus bad behavior or a poorly done versus high quality. Well, this kind of judging is not what we're going to be talking about today. The stronghold of judgment we want to focus on is the one that has a tendency to condemn or lessen the value of one of God's children. Unfortunately, what seems to come naturally in our false identity is to judge this way. And I just want to remind you guys that, and we've talked about it in previous episodes, that the enemy, Satan, he actually judged God and thought he could do a better job than God. His goal today hasn't changed one bit. He wants us to get to think we can judge too. Judgments, critical judgments, are actually a negative twist on discernment. Here's what I mean. When we're living in our true identity, true identities, discernment naturally comes up and out of us. But when we let hurts or offenses reside in our hearts and our minds, our false identity rises up and judgments soon follow. For a judgmental mindset desires consequences or punishment for that person rather than growth. Eesh. So yeah. why do you think we do this? Why do we let our false pull us into this spiral? Well, one of the things I believe is that we use a judgmental mindset to protect our hearts. So whatever the situation that's going on that causes us to want to go there, we're doing it to protect our hearts. We build a wall and we cut off our hearts so that we can't feel or see the person the way God sees them. Because we, we know he sees through our hearts, right? So, But when we judge or we criticize another person or we withhold our love from them, we think we are somehow better and superior. We, we elevate ourselves. We justify our life by our performance, and we think our performance is better. Listen, you guys, to what James 4, 11 through 12 says. It says this, Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? Man, you guys, these are such powerful words. So when we judge, we are making a discernment, an evaluation. We are the ones deciding if the law should be followed or not. We are the ones deciding if what God says is true or not, which means we are judging God. Ouch. Self-righteousness says, I'm right, God, and you're not. We all have this tendency inside to show how good we are and to get our value from that. That's what we do when we're in our false identity. We have to be super careful. So what do we do? 
we go to Jesus to see what he has to say. What did he actually do when this topic came up? I'm really excited for you all to hear what Erin has learned as she studied Jesus and what he modeled for us all to do. So take it away, Erin. Yeah, today we're going to open up and read a tiny yet impactful story from Jesus' life. It's found in John 8, verses 1 through 11. It's the stories of the Pharisees, yet again, attempting to trap or trick Jesus. While he is teaching, they bring before him what the text calls an adulterous woman. So let's read it together. But before I read, I always ask ask God to open up my mind. So let's do that now. God, would you open up our minds? Would you expand them? Can you show us how this story, this account of Jesus' life, probably penned so long ago, can actually fit into our current lives? God, will you show us the truth about your character today? Amen. Okay, so this is what the passage says. I'm just going to read it one time all the way through. Jesus walked up the Mount of Olives near the city where he spent the night. Then at dawn, Jesus appeared in the temple courts again. And as soon as the people gathered around and listened to the words, so he sat down and he taught them. Then, in the middle of his teaching, the religious scholars and the Pharisees broke through the crowds and brought a woman who had been caught in the act of committing adultery and made her stand in the middle of everyone. Then they said to Jesus, Teacher, we caught this woman in the very act of adultery. Doesn't Moses' law command us to stone to death a woman like this? Tell us, what do you say we should do to her? They were only testing Jesus because they had hoped to trap him with his own words and accuse him of breaking the law of Moses. But Jesus didn't answer them. Instead, he simply bent down and wrote in the dust with his finger. Angry, they kept insisting that he answer their question. So Jesus stood up and looked at them and said, Let's have the man who has never had a sinful desire throw the first stone at her. And then he bent over again and wrote some more words in the desk. Upon hearing that, her accuser slowly left the crowd one at a time, beginning with the oldest to the youngest, and with a convicted conscience, until finally Jesus was left alone with the woman still standing there in front of him. So he stood back up and said to her, Dear woman, where are your accusers? Is there no one here to condemn you? Looking around, she replied, I see no one, Lord. Jesus said, Then I certainly don't condemn you either. Go, and from now on, be free from a life of sin. The first thing I began to notice was in reading over this passage was where Jesus had been prior to this exact moment before the Pharisees came. Hmm. I kind of wonder if he was up at the Mount of Olives, if he had been spending time. I mean, he was alone. So was he spending time connecting with God? Maybe he was practicing listening, getting rid of wrong beliefs, focusing on truth. Maybe he was having contemplative quiet time. We don't know. But what all we do know is exact, like that was a private moment. But I can be sure that he probably spent time with God because what spiritual fruit was displayed in these next moments with the adulterous woman and the Pharisees. In fact, 
the Pharisees were very publicly trying to humiliate him. And his response wasn't one of self-protection. He didn't name call the Pharisees. He didn't outright rebuke them in anger. I mean, I truly believe that he isn't racked with bitterness towards the Pharisees because he had potentially just spent time alone with his heavenly father while on the Mount of Olives. Yeah, that's such a good point, Erin, because like we talked about in our previous episodes, when we lead with fear, like I believe that the Pharisees are doing in this story, when we lead with fear in our false identities, we do tend to self-protect, allowing bitterness and then these critical judgments, they follow close behind. So I love the beauty of, of the modeling that Jesus did in this story because he didn't act that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I began to, I'm reading this and I'm reading through it and I took notice of Jesus and then all of a sudden these thoughts of my own personal life began to pop up. My mind began to reflect on places where I had let bitterness creep in because I had felt this negative judgment towards me. And it was, it's been about a year now and it was in my my former workplace. Oh. And at a, about a year ago, things were shifting and changing within our organization. And I saw the changes in the shifts and I had assumed that I was going to have a new leadership responsibility. Mm. And it had been hinted at. I had amazing reviews from my direct reports. I felt really amazing about I had been in the organization for five years. I had changed. I had been promoted. And I felt really good about the work that I had done for the organization. Mm-hmm. So the days are coming. I'm not hearing anything. And we're in a, an all-staff meeting, and it's over Zoom. Mm-hmm. And the new leadership team is announced, and I wasn't on it. And I was shocked, hurt. All these negative emotions were were just coming up. In fact, I started to cry. I had to turn my camera off. In the middle of the meeting, I turned my camera off and called my husband. (laughs) (laughs) And this is what happened. Feelings of rejection, hurt. All these things began rolling in. And then I started to judge. Mm. And these were my thoughts. I thought, This happened because I'm a woman in a male-dominated organization. Mm. If only these leaders might have been more progressive. (laughs) If only they had taken time to truly get to know me. When's the last time they came to one of my events? Mm. If Uh, only they had seen the amazing things I am creating instead of being in closed-door meetings all day, cut off from anyone. Have they not talked to anyone? They're so inaccessible. Uh Don't they see the amazing contributions I've made? And I'm well-loved by so many people, and I've had amazing feedback from volunteers and family. And these were the thoughts that were rolling in my head. And these feelings were true. These experiences I had were true. I felt unable to approach. Those were all true. I felt overlooked. I felt underappreciated. Yeah. But instead of taking responsibility for these feelings I was having, I, I protected myself by judging the leadership. Yeah, you put up your wall around your heart, right? Oh, and I wanted to just, pro- I was yeah. so hurt. Yeah. And I, but I started to realize, I mean, now, a year later, I understand that my judgment of them wasn't going to get me the respect I wanted or the validation I wanted. Yeah. The truth is, Making them out to be the villain 
isn't how Jesus would have done it. Yes. (laughs) In fact, as I poured over and continue reading the verses in John 8, I don't see Jesus playing the victim, and I don't see Jesus villainizing anyone. Mm, In fact, we see quite the opposite. Instead of declaring shame or judgment on either parties, the woman or the Pharisees, he merely just asked both of them questions. Yep. And it got me wondering. Questions, right? (laughs) Yes. It got me wondering. I had always assumed that Jesus wanted the Pharisees I mean, Jesus wanted the Pharisees to answer the question. I mean, instead of walking away, what if they had stayed? Yeah. What if Jesus wasn't extending the invitation of forgiveness or not condemning just to the woman? What if he was extending that invitation to the Pharisees as well? Hmm. What if instead of walking away one by one as the first estates, what if they would have stayed? What if one of them would have stayed and said, wow, that's me. Mm. I've had sinful desires. I'm not perfect. In fact, I'm missing something here. Wow. If any one of them would have done that, I just know Jesus would have done the same for him as he did for the woman. He would have looked at them without condemnation. He would have looked at them with love and acceptance. He would have helped propel them forward in healing and self-forgiveness. I think think especially in the New Testament, I'm reminded over and over again that Jesus wanted to heal. One of his first and some of my favorite stories are of people approaching Jesus to be physically healed of ailments. We watch Mm -hmm. over and over again as Jesus brings their earthly bodies back to fully functioning. I mean, even back to life. He's Mm. so quick to restore. And why can't the same restorations land on our our internal stuff? The the heart healing. Yeah, that's so true. I mean, this is so powerful, Erin. Like, I'm just sitting here thinking the Pharisees, they were just so blinded. They couldn't see the plank in their own eyes. And, ooh, I, you know, I put myself right in there with the Pharisees at times. They were doing exactly what we talked about in the definition. They were playing God and accusing and condemning, which is the exact opposite of who God is, which is displayed through Jesus. And I just wonder how many of us um, believe this lie about God's character, that he is the one who is waiting to condemn us. Man, if they only would have recognized the warning signs, all the red alerts that God was giving to them, um, what a different story it could have been, like you're uh-huh. saying, if they had just been able to be honest with Jesus instead of numbing and walking away. I mean, Jesus, help us always to be honest with you and show us where we're blocked. Uh-huh. And I think this is really important. Um, Even as I was praying this morning and preparing, my mind went to my kids. Mm. When they, I've noticed this, and we've spent a lot of time together this summer. Uh I've noticed this when they're upset. I might often hear them critique or judge. They'll say in their anger, something's happened. She's so stupid. Or even to me, mom, you're so mean. Mm. Those are judgments. So instead of taking responsibility for their feelings of hurt or feeling helpless or powerless, they judge and speak in anger. And you know what? It's a habit they probably picked up from us as their parents. Well, not only that, I think that's deep within us, our false identities, right? True, but kids are modeling what they see. 
Yeah. So how powerful would this be if we model taking responsibility for our own negative emotions? There you if go. we do that for our kids. Mm-hmm. And and I think in those moments where I'm hearing them say, You're so mean, I might say it might help to help them navigate and name what they're feeling. So I might say, I can tell you feel really upset right now. Mm-hmm. Or and not and try not to shame, but I mm-hmm. I keep thinking, how can I model this for my kids? And and I think part of too, is taking responsibility for our own negative emotions, too. Mm -hmm. In my own life, I had to take responsibility for the judgment I was having towards my bosses and my, um, in the workplace. Okay. Mm -hmm. So when I'm realizing that I'm having judgments because I'm feeling so hurt in the workplace, I want to say, okay, what do I do now? I've definitely judged. And I think what you're saying is we need to take our pain to Jesus. I've had to take a deeper look as to what and why I was judging. Mm -hmm. Why did I feel like I had to judge them? What wrong beliefs had bubbled up that were causing me to have this wrong action of judgment? Mm -hmm. So I went and had a prayer time. And in that prayer time, I discovered that I had been letting my bosses and the coworkers I had dictate my value. Mm. It hurt so much to be overlooked because they were my source of value. And the truth was that my value comes from Jesus and he's always going to see me. He's always going to speak compassion over me. Um, I love that Jesus said, then I certainly don't condemn you either. Go and from now on be free from a life of sin. So I that came to my head as I'm reading this, I'm talking to him about the situation with my bosses. I had to forgive myself for the judgment and I had to forgive those who had hurt me. So I asked God to show me a picture of those people who I had judged. And he showed me this picture of them as children, just trying their best to please God. They were fumbling around and a bit inexperienced. And in some ways, they were just trying to figure out how to lead this organization. And this picture gave me so much clarity. I now saw these events with compassion and understanding. And I had to do this confession. I confess that I was holding my bosses to a standard of perfection, and they just couldn't meet it. Mm. I'm a teacher, and how could I ever expect my students who are learning to master a new skill to do it perfectly. Mm. And and God showed me that's what I was putting on my bosses. I was expecting them to be amazing leaders, even though they had just started their leadership journey. I was expecting them to be perfect, not to hurt anyone, not to overlook anyone. And God was like, you can't do that. They are like children mastering a skill. Mm-hmm. And this new understanding brought me peace and gave me something to cling to when feelings of judgment, even a year later, still bubble up. Yeah. And they make try to make themselves at home in my heart. Mm. This new understanding brought me peace and helped give me something to cling to when these feelings of judgment, yet again, even a year later, try to make themselves at home in my heart. So to you, our listener. Whether you identify with the Pharisees and you're 
you've doled out judgments and self-protection, or whether you identify as the adulterous woman or even Jesus, and judgments have been laid upon you. God says to you both, I am not here to condemn you. Wow, Aaron, so good. Thank you so much. We all say thank you just for your willingness to give such a current example of exactly what judgments, critical judgments look like. And like, I'm sorry you had to go through it, but boy, I realized like when we run to Jesus, he gives us eyes to see and a new way, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so it's like you're saying that that still can bubble up, but yet you know what Jesus has told you um, to be true. And that truth is what we hold on to. So thank you for sharing your story. It does really help us understand and clarify exactly what critical judgments look like and how they can creep into our hearts and mind. And just a reminder, I said it at the beginning, I guess I guess I just want to hit this home that remember Satan is sly and crafty and he tempts us to believe um he uses every circumstance and situation in our lives to just get us off track in our belief system. I'm just reminded again how very much he wants us to be like him. You know, he just wants us to step out on our own and become self-righteous God of our own life by holding God's children to standards we create in our minds for them to live up to. The whole time missing the truth that we're all broken people doing our best to stay in our true self when our false self is lurking around us trying to keep us from living abundantly with the Holy Spirit as our guide. Man, I hope this ignites you, you guys, like it does me, to just keep running to Jesus, to ask for His eyes to see and His understanding uh, of the people in our lives who we, f- who we feel are judging us or we have judged. I mean, those people are all around us, right? Our co-workers, like Aaron said, our neighbors, our communities, at church even, um, our in-laws, you know, our immediate families, for goodness sake. So um, I just want to say this too. Do you guys remember last month in our curses episode when we went through the prayer together? And I sensed Jesus telling me to go to my brother and ask forgiveness for the words I spoke over him. And how, if you remember how I pushed him down the stairs when we were kids, <laughs> well... I just wanted to follow up with that and tell you all that I did that this past week. Don and I, we invited them to dinner and we talked about our childhood. It just naturally, you know, came up. It was a natural transition to talk about the language that we used and the effect it had on us. And so I just like the best part about it for me really wasn't his response, which was so cool. He said, I forgive you is basically what he said. And I love you. And that did touch me deeply. What was good was that I had listened to Jesus. That meant even more to me. I'd listened to Jesus and responded by doing exactly what I knew he had put in my heart and mind to do. And so then the reason um, that I'm bringing all of this up is because judgments can affect us the same way as curses do. In fact, all the strongholds do. Our hearts just can become so blocked and it keeps us from truly being able to hear clearly and really having an understanding of Jesus and his ways. So I just don't want that for myself or for you guys either. So when you feel the nudge from the Holy Spirit telling you to act, you guys, please do it. I know it can be scary. I know fear wants to creep in, especially the the future tripping starts to happen and the what ifs start to happen, but don't let it. I'm telling you from my personal experience that there's such beautiful freedom on the other side of it. 
Yeah. So let's experience that freedom. We're going to do a little prayer. And we want to lead you. I've made it really short and simple so that we can release ourselves and others in judgment. By doing this, we're releasing this stronghold that is in our lives and potentially inhibiting our connection with God. This prayer will be posted in our show notes if you'd like to take a look at it later. Remember, now as we listen, as you're listening to the Father, His words may sound close to your own, but they are full of love and compassion. Think of Jesus saying, you no more condemnation. They're lacking in judgment. So let's pray. Father, we admit we have the habit of judging others. Would you bring to our minds the people we have judged? As the image or pictures come to your mind, take a really close look at the people standing before you. What do you notice about them? Where are they in relation to Jesus? Where are you? What does this moment feel like in your body? Next, we say this. Father, I ask you to forgive me for judging the people before me. For, and name the incident. Say it out loud. There's such power in saying something out loud. As you utter these words, look to see what Jesus does next. Take notice of all of the details. Where is he? Is he close or far away? What does his face look like? Lastly, say this. Jesus, please help me to see these people standing before me as you see them. Turn your eyes back to those you have judged. What do you see now? Is there anything new you notice about them? Is there a banner or a new name waving over them? What is the name God has given them? Where do their strengths lie? How does this new insight feel? With this new feeling, turn your attention to yourself. Does the stronghold still have hold of you? Or have you been released? What does your body feel like or look like? If the stronghold still has a hold of you, go back to God and ask him, what do you want me to know, God? If you are free from the stronghold, what do you see now? God, we thank you for this new insight and new understanding. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Erin, so much. It's interesting because as I just was trying to be still here, um, you know, we've had quite a few glitches just even getting this recorded. And I realized that what I was doing... Uh, was judging myself, mm-hmm. like really judging myself that, you know, believing that I'm a failure and and that I really feel like um, judging myself for some other areas in my life too. And 
And I just really think it's cool. I think I'm going to have to go in and press more into it with Jesus later. But one thing that he did show me clearly, you mentioned banner. I don't, and yeah. I just saw myself standing on a hill, um, just standing there. And there was this banner over me that mm-hmm. had freedom on it, like the words freedom on it. And I really believe that, you know, in my true identity, like all of us in our true identities, um, freedom is should be you know like is part of who we are like we are mm-hmm. free from everything that holds us down and holds us back so I'm really looking forward to it like to go back and talking to God about it more but I am going to leave when we sign off with the truth knowing that his banner over me is freedom mm-hmm. and um, that's a just a good powerful word for all of us as we leave so right. anyway thank you for that no I, I it's so funny when I was writing this Mm-hmm. That came to mind oh. that God was saying, "Look at the banner that's written over the people you have judged and over yourself." So it's so funny how the Holy Spirit does that and no, puts those it. things into your mind. And I love that you're saying, and I want our listeners to take note: if you can't get total freedom and healing here in these five-minute prayers, mm-hmm. please, please press into something on your own and. Tomorrow, sit down with your journal and say, God, what did you want me to know about that prayer? Is there anything else that you are negative emotions bubbling up? And ask God about them. Yeah, that's so good. All right, so thank you guys for joining us for episode 14. We've got a ton of really cool stuff for you. And maybe your kids too, if you want to check it out. It's located on our website. We would also love for you to give us that five-star review. And here's why. The reason we keep asking for it, um, asking you to give us a review month after month is because your reviews and your ratings allow more people to find our podcast. That's why we want you to do it, because we want to broaden our listeners, you know, our listener bandwidth or however you say <laughs> it. So anyways, we're grateful for you guys. Thank you so much for listening. And we, of course, we look forward to sharing uh, again next month when we're going to share the fifth stronghold. So goodbye, everyone. Thank you for listening.